Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show with the host that is like a pirate. He has a little booty and always wants more. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Ooh, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from the recording studio built here in my home in uh, just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, and I'm back home from our uh, 10-day Caribbean cruise uh, in tonight's show in Pipe Parts. Going to talk to you about the uh, talk to you about the cruise and what we did, where we went, where I got to smoke my pipe, and all that stuff. So that's coming up. Then my guest this week is Dan Spaniola. Dan is from Paul's Pipe Shop and uh, the son of Paul. So we get to talk to Dan. Then we'll uh, catch up on mail, love uh, music, and mailbag and uh, rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. And remember, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this show. So there you go. Blah, 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 blah. Got it? All right. Um, I do hope everybody had a chance to do something for International Pipe Smoking Day uh, on February 20th, or as I call it, the day before my wife's birthday. Um, I hope you got a chance to get together or maybe uh, hang out on uh, Facebook Live or something with somebody and uh, do something you know, pipe-related for International Pipe Smoking Day. If you have uh, pictures, please post them. You can go to Facebook and post them on the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show page on Facebook. We'd love to see what you all got to do. Uh, hopefully you got to get together with your club or something like that. Anyway, we'll have more about that in uh, next week's show when we uh, go down to Australia and uh, meet our and talk to our guest. It's all been pre-recorded, but they had one heck of a get together in uh, in Australia of probably the largest gathering of pipe smokers in one spot in the last I don't know 15 years down there. Anyway, let's get the show rolling. So everybody, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, I guess February's almost over. Wow. Uh, it's been a quick month, and here comes March. So hopefully we'll start to get some warm weather here at home because I really got used to the warm weather down in the Caribbean. Um, all right, just to recap a little bit. So uh, this trip was, for, uh, was to celebrate my wife's 50th birthday. And we, she picked out the itinerary, and I agreed upon it on the, based off of the ship because I knew this ship had a indoor, uh, they call it the Speakeasy Cigar Lounge, uh, but it's open for all smokers, so at least a spot indoors. 
And uh, I counted, it was about, uh, well, it was 11, sat 11 people comfortably. And I will say that during the entire time that I was there, uh, all 10 days of the cruise, there was only one or two times where I went to go into the cigar lounge, uh, the speakeasy lounge, and there wasn't a place to sit. So that was just one or two times. And it was, other than that, uh, well ventilated. Yes, there were cigarette smokers in there, but you know what? I'm not prejudiced. I don't care what you smoke as long as, you know, I'd, I'd obviously rather you all smoke, everybody smoked pipe, but, you know, hey, that doesn't happen. Uh, and then, uh, and and again, there was, so I, so I picked the, the ship and this itinerary because we were going to some different islands and the Speakeasy Cigar Lounge. So our trip started with a uh, with a quick flight down from Charlotte down to Fort Lauderdale. On the flight down there, sitting next to us in the aisle was a young guy named Wes from Charlotte, and uh, we got talking to him. He's a musician here locally, and he was really interested in pipe smoking. So we exchanged uh, exchanged information on the plane, and we'll uh, we'll get a chance to hook up with him uh, and maybe go see them play. Um, as with any trip like this, anybody that's cruising or going anywhere, I always advise that you travel down the night before so that you're in the area and so that there's no flight delays or any problems with that. So we did that. We stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. Not bad. Got up the next morning, leisurely took a ride, you know, caught a ride over to the ship, and we were on the ship by, I would say, about 1.30, and starting to get the lay of the land. Uh, the first thing that I noticed when I got on the ship, and remember I had said I was a little worried about this going onto the ship, that maybe the only place I was able to smoke was in the, uh, or smoke my pipe was in the cigar lounge. Well, the day one we get there and it says uh, on the front page of their daily itinerary of events and it's a little newsletter that each ship hands out every day for their passengers. Uh, it says, for those guests who would like to enjoy a cigar or pipe, the Speakeasy Cigar Lounge is located on Deck 6, as well as the outdoor smoking areas, which are located on Promenade Deck 7 aft and Deck 17 aft on the starboard side underneath the nightclub, and on Deck 16 forward port side next to the Trade Winds Bar. So there it was in writing. Yes, I could enjoy my pipe or cigar in any of the designated smoking areas. Now, I had already done our research, and our cabin was on deck 15, right below, essentially, where the Trade Winds Lounge was. So to tell you how my days all started, uh, they all started with me leaving the cabin and going up to the Trade Winds Lounge, where they had uh, it was an outdoor overlooking a pool area, had a covered area that was uh, somewhat protected from the winds, so that you could, you know, so that I could light a pipe in a windy situation. And, uh, you know, sit there with my, the, it, before 9 a.m., they had coffee out there for everybody. So it wasn't the best coffee, but it was coffee. And I'd start my morning sitting there smoking and had two cups of coffee. Uh, and it was just the, the perfect way to start each day was up there at the Trade Winds Lounge. Uh, while on board the ship, if you haven't cruised before, I'm always amazed at how after two or three days, the, the, uh, the bartenders, the servers that are working the areas that you normally 
that you kind of gravitate towards, well, they all start to re remember your names. <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, to say the least, the guys at the Tradewinds Lounge and the one server that was uh, on the evenings for the speakeasy got to got to know me by sight and by name and knew my knew my drink preferences and before i could sit down sometimes they were already bringing my drink to me um let's speed this up a little bit because that handles most of the smoking part of it uh on this itinerary we had six different stops uh the first one was at uh princess cruise's private island and it's nice we got off we played in the water we went back on that was it uh, the next one was St. Thomas, which is part of the U.S. Virgin Islands, and I'd been there three times before, so it was kind of fun just to take a little tour around and see parts of the island that we hadn't seen before and then had a nice lunch. Unfortunately, it's a U.S. territory, so a lot of the smoking restrictions are fairly tight. Uh, yeah, no smoking within 25 feet of buildings or whatever it was. Uh, the next two stops were the islands of Dominica and Grenada. And Dominica and Grenada are former British territories that were just, you know, 40, 45 years ago given their independence and let go. Uh, most of them are inhabited by former, uh, by, former uh, by descendants of slaves that were brought there. Uh, both of the islands are relatively poor. Grenada's got a little bit more of an infrastructure, but the people on Dominica and the people on Grenada were absolutely wonderful. And in particular on Dominica, sitting on a black sand beach, uh, smoking my pipe after our uh, two-hour tour around the island, uh, sitting there and smoking my pipe, and then a uh, local was selling fresh fruit, and it was some of the best fruit I've ever had. So highly highly recommend dominica uh grenada same thing you know relatively smoking friendly wherever you are uh just you know use common sense but again they're a little more sophisticated that are a little more uh, modernized than dominica uh, a little more uh, modern services there the last two stops on the cruise were the islands of Bonaire and Curacao, which are part of the abc islands along with aruba and they fall under the dutch government so they're a little, uh, you know, dramatically more uh, modernized, uh, dramatically more sophisticated. And uh, smoking was not much of a problem, except, you know, obviously they didn't want you smoking in anywhere where food was served or uh, walking around with my pipe, no problem whatsoever. And on uh, the island of Curacao, there was a gorgeous cigar lounge that sold Cuban cigars. So I managed to pick up three, smoked one on the cruise, brought the other two back. Uh, we, uh, we got back yesterday, so on Monday, Monday morning, after two full days at sea. And if you're nervous about cruising because you think the days at sea are going to be boring, you're wrong. There's plenty of stuff to do. There's plenty of things not to do. And... Even for those of us that are pipe smokers, you know, you just grab your pipe and go sit in the smoking section or one of the one of the designated smoking areas. Watch the watch the water go by, watch the clouds go by, talk to the people in the smoking area, get yourself a drink. It's just a real easy way to kill easily an hour, hour or two out of the middle of your day and catch some sunshine or yeah, hang out in the speakeasy lounge where I think uh, one day I was watching a rugby tournament. And uh, 
you know, it was it was kind of fun to just sit there and watch a completely different sport that I know very little about while sitting and smoking my pipe. And I think at that point, I think I was uh, drinking Pellegrino water, which is obvious, you know, as I've said before, is one of my favorites. Uh, sitting there in the air conditioning and in the shade. Um, I'll also say there was a couple of a uh, couple of really good, uh, really good entertainers that came on board, and then the band on the ship that did the big shows was, you know, just some really talented players, and we had a lot of fun. Uh, and obviously, uh, my wife didn't have to worry about planning any of this because I booked it all for her. And if you've got any comments or questions about that, email me brian.levine at mei-travel.com or brian at pipesmagazine.com. All right, there's my trip report. Lots of uh, lots of time to pipe smoke. And if I didn't have time, hey, I had my little bowl cap and my uh, I had three of my travel pipes and, you know, was able to just sit and puff for 20 minutes. If that's all the time allowed, that's all I did. So there you go. In just a moment, Dan Spaniola. This is Internet Radio. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, We've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and by request, I'm excited to have uh, second generation Dan Spaniola of Paul's Pipe Shops, or Paul's Pipe Shop and Pipe Hospital. So, Dan, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. All right, let's go all the way back because your your father. Paul opened the shop, and he opened it in 1928? That's correct. He actually started in a little town called Morris, Michigan, and it started out as a pool hall and bar in some, somewhere between 1928 and 1930. A pipe salesman came in and got him interested in pipes. <laughs> wait, wait a second. So you're... So it started out as a as as a as, as a place for men to come and hang out and maybe shoot some pool and drink a beer or two and gamble a little bit and then now it's a pipe shop. Yes, correct. <laughs> what happened? The sales the salesman bet him ten bucks he couldn't sell a dozen pipes within I don't know a week or two week period I can't exactly remember, and my dad did everything he could to sell them because he said he could sell anything. So he would take trade-ins. Well, when he won the bet of ten dollars, he had all these pipes that people traded in. He had didn't have any, he never smoked them. Didn't know what to do with them, and so he got interested and went to a couple of pipe factories here in the U.S. and found out how they made them and what they did with them and how they clean them and purify them and 
he decided, well, we'll clean up these pipes and resell them. <laughs> and started a pipe shop off of a bet. I love yep. it. Yeah, I, I so I think I think I met your dad a couple of times, and I, I it's safe to say that he's the type of person that if you dared him to do something, he'd he'd do it, and then tell you how bad you were about daring him. Yeah, that's that's my way. He's a cardster. <laughs> so do you do you know when? Uh, was it in the early 1930s when it when it became a full-blown pipe and tobacco shop? In 1930, he moved from Morris, Michigan to Swartz Creek, Michigan, and he opened Paul's Tavern and Pipe Shop. And he was there till about 1940-ish. In 1940, he brought just the pipe shop to Flint. Uh, that was, I think, 41, 42, could have been 43. And when he got here, the Godfathers of Flint said, you can't open a pipe shop down here. It won't last a year. But he did anyway. <laughs> and, and since we've been in Flint, we've been in three different locations. Uh, and the building we're in now, we moved into in 1963, and we've been here ever since. So I'm doing some math real quick. You've only been in Flint for, I don't know, 79 years. So it might make it. I'm, I'm guessing yeah, the, the I'm, store I'm, might last. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking we got a chance. <laughs> so obviously, so when the pipe shop moved to to Flint in the 1940s, uh, do you you weren't around? But do you remember or do you know what some of the key key pipe brands or products were, or the tobaccos that that your dad sold? Do he? Like I say, he got interested in pipes, and he decided he was going to try making them. So he started making pipes, and he called it a Cayuga pipe. And he went to different companies, and some said they rub oil on them, and they do this and that. And so he came up with an oil curing process that we oil cure. We actually boil the pipes in oil at 410 degrees Fahrenheit. And that was a family thing. He brought them home. We did them in my mother's kitchen, which she didn't really appreciate. But <laughs> we used to oil cure hundreds of pipes. Wow. So, so the, was it your own brand that was the one that was sold in the store all the time? Yes. We, we make the Cayuga pipe. Uh, and because he boils it in oil, he had to come up with some kind of concoction to put in the bowl so you don't get the taste of the oil. So he come up with this substance you could actually eat it, but it actually dries and gets hard in the pipe, and you call it a miracle cake. Huh. It, it makes the carbon stick to the bowl a little faster, and it, it, the boiling and oil actually, when you get through boiling the pipes, we have sand in the bottom of the oil because the briar really grows in rocky and sandy areas. And so I'm thinking it's open the pores and it lets some of them little pebbles out that get mixed into the briar as it grows. <laughs> so, so somewhere in Flint, Michigan, there's a whole bunch of Mediterranean sand. Yep. <laughs> now, how long did you sell just the just the 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 Cayugas and and when did you start bringing in other brands? He always had other brands. Uh, he, okay. he bought. He got the line of K-Woodies and Dr. Grable's and all the other pipes. And eventually he started making his pipes. But before he started making his and selling them, he sold 
Dr. Gable's medicals, uh, yellow bowls, all those pipes. And he wanted a pipe that was equal or better. And so he contacted people like from Dunhill Pipe Company and find out what they did and how they treated their pipes and all that kind of stuff. So he wanted to make a nice pipe for less money than the Dunhill was back then. Wow. <laughs> and they're still made today, right? Yep, we still make them here at the shop today. So, so not only do you make not only do you sell pipes and tobaccos, you have to spend time making pipes for the inventory, otherwise you have nothing to sell. Correct. Your <laughs> <laughs> your dad really set you up with a with a full time job, didn't he? Yes he did. I <laughs> and as well, he had 12 children, so as we grew up and we got old enough to make change and see over a counter, he put us all to work. So the whole family has worked at this store at one time or another. I think I spent the longest time here. I come at 12 and I haven't left yet. <laughs> now, are you the oldest of them, or are you... Uh... No, no, I'm about in the middle. Actually, a little below middle. I was I was gonna say after working all day in the store and making pipes and stuff, then your dad still had enough energy to go home and have twelve kids. That's <laughs> some days I wonder if I can do <laughs> even make it home. Some nights, actually, sometimes in the bad dead of the winter. A few years ago, I just spent the night here at the store. I just didn't even go home. <laughs> yeah. On the other hand, he may have spent more time at the shop because he had 12 kids at home, and <laughs> that was a little noisy. Yeah, I, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> now, can we, uh, talking about your dad again, what what kind of pipes did he prefer, or what shapes of, what shapes of pipes did he prefer? He, his favorite shape was a bell doubling. A straight belt, a bell doubling. He really, he really liked that pipe, and he had several of them. Uh, I think one of the ones that he smoked the most was a Cheridan. Uh, they made a nice bell doubling, and he liked yeah. that. And I think he had a, their smooth one and a, and a sandblast one. And then he made some, uh, and he, that that was his favorite shape. But he has pipes of all shapes and sizes. Uh, he just couldn't resist collecting them and smoking them. I mean, he he smoked most of them. There's a lot in his collection that's never been smoked, but there's a lot of them to have. Wow. Did he have a favorite tobacco, or did he try a whole bunch of stuff? Well, he kind of got stuck on his blend that he made up, which was called Arrowhead, and he just really liked that. But he would smoke the other stuff because he was mixing it up and trying it. In fact, when he first started mixing, he hadn't even started smoking yet. And somebody asked him one time, do you smoke this stuff? He says, no, I just mix it. So he <laughs> always tried smoking it because it's terrible. So then he decided he better learn how to smoke a pipe the proper way and learn how to blend tobacco. So he went back to some of the tobacco factories and figured out what they can put together, what you can't put together. And then he started blending his own tobaccos. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet, I bet if he wanted to build an airplane, he would have figured it out. Yeah. Uh, and he, so he went into business right before the depression, and then stayed in business even during World War II when times were really tough. Uh, you know, he just he just had an attitude where he wasn't going to fail, did he? Yeah, he was not going to quit. <laughs> 
he had something in his mind he was going to do it, and he just didn't go up. Wow. All so right. He worked at, he, why he had the shop, he worked in the factory for a while, uh, tried to keep ends meeting. <laughs> yeah, and, and Flint being a big auto auto town, I would imagine he had a lot of auto workers coming in there, too. Oh, yes, we did. We had uh, GMI and, and a lot of shop workers and stuff came in every day, bought stuff on us and stuff like that. Uh, when did uh, when did cigars come into the store? I think you always had some cigars. Back then you had, you know, your King Edwards, uh, Banker's Choice. You didn't have premium cigars like you do today. But you always had cigars, and we always sold boxes of cigars. As I remember, at 12, 14 years old, when I started working here, we always had cigars to sell. And then when the there was Cuban cigars for a while until 60, what was it, 2 or 3 when the embargo hit. Yeah. And then the, the, the premium cigars <clears throat> kind of disappeared for a little bit until all the companies took their seeds and went to all over the world and started growing Cuban seeds but in different soil and they taste different and then they come up with all these nice premium cigars now <laughs> that's a uh, perfect spot for us to take a break when we come back we'll talk about the pipe museum and the uh, and the pipe smoking championship so a lot more with Dan so stay with us we'll be back in just a minute Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes, in faithful service of the hobby. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Dan Spaniola of Paul's Pipe Shop of Flint, Michigan. And I, I, I have to say I'm sad to report to everybody that I've never been to your shop, but I, I want to hear about the museum and all the stuff in it and how it first of all, how did the how did the downstairs museum get started? Well, he always collected pipes and I don't know. It must have started collecting them back in the 30s or late, late 20s, early 30s, and he just kept collecting them, and then people would give him gifts of pipes and stuff like that. Well, one year when him and my mother went on vacation, I was running the store for him, and he had always mentioned about, you know, I would really like a pipe museum. So we had this storeroom that's like on a mezzanine, and I got with a couple of my sisters and brothers and said, look, let's change this into a pipe museum for it. Well, it was a storage area, so first thing we had to do was move all the storage. 
So in one week, we moved all the storage into the basement, built a room down there for his pipes, ex extra pipes, and then we fixed up the museum. And I took half the annex, or the, the whatever they call my half for <laughs> mezzanine, and I, I put a wall in the middle of it, and I set up some showcases and stuff up there that we had stored up on the other floor. And when he got back, I said, here's your museum. And he said, that's fine. And he started bringing me pipes to put in it. <laughs> well, instantly I knew it wasn't big enough. <laughs> so one of our pipe club members, he says, uh, Dan, let's tear everything out of here, build another room in the basement, move the rest of the stuff down there, and we'll make the whole room a museum. I, okay, we'll do that. So he built a lot of showcases out of scrap lumber and all I had to do was furnish the glass or buy the glass for the shelves and the windows on them and he, him and I we built them and put them up in there and then we started filling them up and to this day I do not have all those pipes up there Wow I would, I would say there's somewhere between 1,700 to 2,000 pipes that he has <laughs> and it's He's gotten them from everybody. He's got it from Charles Stewart Mott, who used to be the Flint's named after Mott, basically. Uh, the Mott Farms, the Mott College. Uh, he was Mr. Buick. I mean, he was one of the big GM people that got GM going. Uh, and then he just, he met just all kinds of people. And he just, he would get them in his pipe club and he'd get them active in the club. Mr. Mott was our chief timekeeper for our contest. And he would just, he, those people would just give him stuff to put in his museum. And we have Mr. Mott's pipe that he got from 1897, 1897 where uh, his parents gave it to him. It's a Mersham pipe that's perfectly colored and beautiful. And, and the history and the stories and everything behind it, we've been offered thirty, forty, fifty thousand $50,000 for it. And my dad says it's not leaving the store. Wow. And all this stuff is sitting out ready for anybody that wants to come in to look at it? It's uh, When they come in, if we have enough people here, I usually yeah. take them up and take them through a tour of the museum. But we, I used to let some people go up there by themselves with some stuff come up missing, so we just don't do that anymore. Uh. I have a few uh, <clears throat> pipe club members that will come down and take people up there and take them on a little tour or whatnot. And you've got a bunch of tobaccos in there too. So, it, and uh, I mean, there's there's some tobacco brands. I'm looking on the website, and there's there's some pictures of some of the, some tobacco brands I've never heard of. Well, he collected tins. I mean, when he was before they had bulk tobacco, you used to have to buy all the tins and and uh, packages and stuff like that to blend with because they didn't put anything in bigger than pound cans. So he, I have a second floor full of empty cans that he just would not throw away. <laughs> uh, he saved every can I think he emptied. Well, he would take different cans and mix them together until they got to blend right that the people wanted, and he would save the cans. And some of the cans we reused when we started making our blends, he would tear off the label that was on it and put our label on it and put the tobacco back in it. <laughs> you didn't waste nothing no and you can't do stuff like that today can you oh no no <laughs> <laughs> today you would be shot 
<laughs> Shot or run up a flagpole first. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and then going back to your your dad again, there's also some stories of him going out to Hollywood or dealing with Hollywood actors and teaching them how to smoke a pipe. Yes, in ni- 1952, Susan Hayworth was doing a show called The President's Lady, and she had to smoke a pipe in that movie. And the news or the Hollywood people seeing that my father was a world champion in 1951 and invited him out there to teach her how to keep the pipe lit so she didn't have to keep lighting it through the show. So him and a few of the pipe club members went out there and got to tour the studio, meet her, meet a lot of the other uh, stars and people out there, Laramore, Curly, all them people, and had pictures and stuff with them and got to know them. When they'd come to Flint, did they stop in and see and see your dad? They, I, not while I was alive, <laughs> but they, I was probably not even born yet. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, 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 I'm sure they would. Uh, I know Mr. Mott's family, when they come to town, they bring their kids and grandkids and everything in, and I take them up there so they can see their grandpa's pipes and uh, we have more than just one of his pipes, but the one my father admires the most is that one from 1897. Yeah. And we have several pipes of his. We have an ashtray that his groundskeeper made Mr. Mott an ashtray and my dad an ashtray, and he engraved into it C.S. and Paul. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, when did when did the bulk tobaccos come in and in, in the in-house blending? It was probably I want to say in the mid fifties. I okay. was born in forty six, and and I think he was just starting to get the the bulk tobacco. What he used to do is buy up all the packages that they would take back from the stores that were dry, and then re-moisten it. Yeah, <laughs> and he started putting it in five pound bags, and that's when they come seeing what he was doing, and then they started. Well, we can buy, uh, we can put this tobacco in five pound bags for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so your dad could be responsible for what turned into the five pound bag bulk tobacco business in the United States. I think he wants to take credit for it, but I don't know if he was actually the one. But that was the story <laughs> I heard from him. Well, and, and and if your dad told you it, it's gospel. Uh, <laughs> uh, let, let's talk about the about the pipe smoking championship because your your dad won it six times, and you guys hold it once a year, usually in October. Usually in October, yes. Uh, back in nineteen forty nine, when the contest started, actually in nineteen forty eight, my dad formed the Arrowhead Pipe Club. And he knew a guy in uh, Schenectady, New York, named Skip Piercy. And him and Skip were always talking about doing contests. So my dad formed the Arrowhead Pipe Club and had set up uh, a pipe smoking contest. And they kind of tried out some different rules and, <clears throat> and see how they were going to run these contests. So I think Skip came to Michigan, and him and my dad worked it out, and then they decided after the Arrowhead Pipe Club had theirs that they wanted to do a world's pipe smoking contest. So my dad and, and Skip Piercy and there was a few other people I can't remember, 
started the International Association of Pipe Smokers Clubs. And they set up some rules, and, and then they're listed on their website or the IAPSC website, and they've stuck to those rules pretty much since 1949. And from 1949 to today, when somebody wins one of those contests, my dad would always tell him, he says, if you give me your pipe, I'll make you a pipe. I want to keep that pipe. So we have all the pipes. Well, I won't say all. We have most of the pipes that won the world's pipe smoking contest in our museum. There's wow. a few that, and he always told them, if you want to use that pipe again, you let me know. And if you're going to be at the contest, I'll bring it to you, and you can use the same pipe. <laughs> so a lot of them wanted to use their same pipe. So we got duplicates of their pipe in their case, but they're because they didn't win all in the same, you know, back-to-back years. Yeah. But, yes, my father was only person that has won the International Association of Pipes Clubs pipe smoking contest six times. There's people that's won it three, four, but nobody's won it six but him. Do you think he cheated? I mean, he used to own a pool hall, so he might have been on a, he might have swindled him or conned him a little bit. No, they had judges, and he usually used prominent judges. We used to use, like, some of our circuit court judges and some of our state reps and our state senators to judge our contest for us, and they would walk around and they would demand people to emit, <coughs> excuse me, emit smoke out of their mouth to make sure their pipe was still lit. <laughs> Could you imagine nowadays trying to get a politician to be involved in a tobacco event? Oh, yeah, that would be a little tough, I think. <laughs> um all right so now going forward you've got a does the store carry uh, uh you know you, you've got the you've got the cayuga pipes you've got other brands of pipes do you have a full line of tin tobaccos and and uh, house blended stuff yes we we yeah <laughs> i probably got five thousand pounds of bulk tobacco in the basement that i blend with plus i try to keep we used to keep all McClellan's, but we don't anymore because we sold it yeah. all because they went out of business. But we have McBaron's. We have a lot of different tin tobaccos. Uh, I even have some old ones that we keep in our humidor that, that aren't even made anymore. And, and from a business standpoint, I mean, the, your your store is a pipe shop first and then, a, and then sells cigars second, right? Hey, well, it's... Our whole, cigar, our whole store is on one floor, and it's we have a humidor where we keep the cigars, and we have a couple smaller humidors that have sliding doors on it where we put them out so people can see them and look at them. But the majority of the store is pipes. Wow. There's walls and walls of pipes, and then we have a couple different areas where we have shelves with bag tobacco and tin tobaccos, because now you can't get them in tins half time. They're all in plastic bags, Ziploc bags. Do you have any idea how many pipes you have in inventory for sale? Uh, right after my father passed away and we had to do an inventory, we're just shy of a million. <laughs> I'm, and, I'm, and, and I mean that, it, it's, but you're counting corn cobs, you're counting blocks of briar that are half made into pipes. They're not, they're not all sellable at this point, they're, but they're all pipes. I mean, they're 
There's stems in them, they just haven't been finished. Uh, I have bends and bends of, of unfinished pipes setting uh, down in my workroom where we make the shape and we put them in a bend. We may do a thousand of them or a hundred of them or 200 of them, and we set them in the bend. And when I need to get some more out, then I'll take a day and I'll finish 30, 40 of them and then put them out to sell. Wow. <laughs> So if there's not, if I walk into that shop and there's not a pipe I like, then I need to get my eyes checked or my head checked or I'm not a pipe smoker. Well, I would say, yeah, you're right. But our people that are looking for certain particular pipes or shapes of pipes, and there's times we don't have them. I mean, there's there's so many different shapes now and so many hand carvers that make gorgeous pipes that <clears throat> we just don't handle. I mean, I handle like the Sabinelli's, the Cheridans, the Dunhills, the uh, Cristiano's, uh, uh, just all kinds of brands. And I just, I'm sure there's some brand I don't have. Uh, and I'm, I'm positive of it because there's people come in and ask for a certain thing and I just don't have it. And they, how could you not have it though? Because <laughs> that carver won't sell it to me to resell. He wants to sell it himself. Yeah. So, yeah. There's, there's a lot of pipe makers out there that make beautiful, gorgeous pipes that, that retail stores will never get to sell. They want to sell them themselves either through the internet or word of mouth or whatever now if i come up there is a is there a place for me to smoke my pipe inside the shop because you're yes we were we were grandfathered in under the smoking law so you can smoke anywhere in the shop Uh, i I say we're grandfathered in we still have to do a ton of paperwork every year (laughs) in order to keep it but yeah every january I sat down and I, I swear this thing's inch and a half thick. <laughs> I gotta fill out and go through and check all the little question box and initial everything and yeah, it's a pain in the butt, but we do it. And then we gotta take twelve pictures of the building inside and out and show that we got the proper signage and stuff so that we can keep our license to smoke. Wow. Welcome to the free state of Michigan. Yeah. And if you miss it, doing it one time you can't ever get a license again uh and 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 not to bring up a sore subject but have they fixed the water in the city yet uh i they're working on it (laughs) (laughs) we've had ours tested here at the store and our water's fine uh the health department comes over and checks it periodically and it's we've never had a problem it's just in certain areas and um, hopefully we will never have a problem because i really drink a lot of coffee around here and i get it out of the tap so <laughs> good a, i i just laugh they make you fill out an inch and a half of worth of paperwork so that you can smoke in a pipe shop but yet they still have problems with their city water so <laughs> um maybe they need to just leave you alone for a little bit and yeah you know, for a couple of years and I fix would, their water i would just love that <laughs> <laughs> well i'll make a phone call for you Okay. If you could get the federal government to back off on all their new rules they want. <laughs> well, that's a different phone number that I don't have. 
Okay. <laughs> Dan, we will finish this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Ready. What is your favorite pipe? My favorite pipe is one my father made for me a long time ago. It's one of his Cayugas. What shape did he make you? It's a bulldog. It's a, like a bat bulldog. Ah. Uh, and what is your favorite tobacco? I smoke primarily Arrowhead. It's the one that, it's not the original Arrowhead he made originally because we couldn't get the tobacco anymore, so we changed it a little bit. And since we changed it, it become our number one seller. And it's, it's a very mild aromatic that has good flavor a slight vanilla flavoring in it but it also has a little latticky and freak which people don't believe you can't some people say they can taste it but i can't but it just accents the tobacco and it's like salt and pepper like you need a good steak and you want a little salt and pepper on it that's all you need just a little bit to bring out some flavor in it and this tobacco i, I bet you i sell 100 pounds of it to anything else i got See, and there's there's a message to all you tobacco snobs out there. Aromatics are still the number one seller in every tobacco shop you go to. Well, I have a lot of a lot of English smokers that will try the Arrowhead, and they really like it. They won't probably not smoke it on a, as much as they would the the English blends or the or the Virginias. But Arrowhead's had Arrowhead has Virginia, Perique, Latakia, Flake, Cavendish. In uh, uh, some um, black Cavendish in it, and it's, it's just a really, really nice blend. And it, it, what I like about it, when I get done smoking it, I don't taste it. You're yep. done. You enjoy it while you're smoking it. When you get done, you don't have an aftertaste with it. <laughs> uh, Dan, what is your favorite drink? My favorite drink? Yep. Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> And when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? I, I'm, I'm, usually for me to relax is just sit down and have a good drink and smoke my pipe. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. Well, and if you have time to relax, you need to make pipes or, you know, or finish up some pipes. So <laughs> I would imagine a little quiet time would be nice. Yeah. It's just, and I enjoy a, a few of the, the TV programs, and a lot of times my wife and I will just sit there and watch a TV program and have a drink after dinner and just relax. <laughs> and then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that we didn't talk about yet? Oh, yeah. I, I decided one year, I have five boys, I decided I needed to make them all a pipe so they could have one made by their father, although they probably have some, but not made for them. So I started carving away, and I mean, these were done by hand, not off a machine, and made them each a pipe. And it's it was just something that I wanted to do so they could have a pipe from their dad. <laughs> and do, do all five of your boys smoke a pipe? Yes, they. A lot of them don't smoke at all, other than during pipe smoking contest or our club meeting. 
Other than that, they don't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but still, and they've got a they've got a pipe their dad made for them. So, not too many people can say that. Right, and, and I've got two sons that smoke all the time, and and the one he has won the world's pipe smoking contest. I've never won it, but he has won it. <laughs> Well, maybe the uh, maybe the the talent to win has skipped a generation. I think so. <laughs> uh, if you want to go online and see the and see pictures of the shop and look at the inventory, it's iapsc.net slash store, and then you'll see Paul's Pipe Shop. If you're ever in Michigan, in especially if you're in the Flint area, you need to stop by. Uh, and I, I've got to get up there. I'm not coming up there during the winter time. I'm not that crazy. Uh, I don't blame you. But <laughs> but they can also get to that by paulspipeshop.com. They don't, you don't need all the AAPSC in front of there. You can do paulspipeshop.com and it will come up. Perfect. Thanks for doing this and uh, thanks for carrying on your dad's traditions. You're quite welcome. We could go on forever because i got millions of stories, but maybe next time. That'd be fun. So, okay. So start, start listing them out and getting them ready, and uh, we'll, we'll have you back on for more, uh, for more stories of, uh, of the tales of Paul's Pipe Shop. All right. Thanks again. You're welcome. And we'll be back in just a minute. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking Archibaldino red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. internet radio and we are back do go online check out paulspipeshop.com or uh, i usually see dan at uh, the chicago pipe show the columbus pipe show and uh, you know, keep an eye out for the pipe smoking competition all right for music i was somewhat inspired by one of the bars on, or one of the lounges on the ship it was called crooners and we never stopped in there and you want to guess why uh, you couldn't smoke there. It was an indoor lounge, but it featured mostly music, uh, occasionally a live musician, but most of the music was of the 50s, 60s, some some stuff from the 40s. And every time I'd kind of walk by, I'd think of how it should be a real smoky place and there should be some real smooth jazz playing in there. And then I'd start humming this one Frank Sinatra song called I Get a Kick Out of You. And uh, this is a live version that uh, Sinatra did at, I believe, at the Sands Hotel in Las Vegas. So, uh, old blue eyes doing I Get a Kick Out of You. My story is much too sad to be told 
about practically everything leaves me totally cold the only exception i know is the case when i'm out on a quiet spree fighting vainly the old ennui then i suddenly turn and see your fabulous face I get no kick from champagne Beer alcohol, it doesn't bruise me at all So tell me why should it be true That I get a, a kick out of you Some like the perfume from Spain I'm sure that if I took even one sniff it would bore me terrifically too However I do get a, a kick out of you I get a kick every time I see you standing there before me I get a kick though it's clear to see that you obviously you do not adore me I get no kick in a plane flying too high with some gal in the sky here's my idea of nothing to do yet I get a, a kick out of you Every time I see you standing there before me I get a kick, though it's clear to see that you obviously You do not adore me I get no kick in a plane Some gal in the sky is my idea of nothing to do. Yet I get a kick. You give me that boot. I get a kick. And, of course, every time I hear that song, I think back to the scene in Blazing Saddles, which is uh, 
just a little different version of that song. Oh, my God. You've got mail. Before we start reading the mail, just a reminder, the JDRF auctions will be starting here, uh, hopefully the end of March. So please email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. If you have anything to donate, then I'll kindly ask you to ship it here to me and we'll get it over to Steve all in one big lump. Uh, Again, uh, just email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Anything that you have, anything would be absolutely appreciated and wonderful. Uh, I know uh, times are tough for the industry with the FDA regulations and all that stuff. So whatever you have would be absolutely wonderful. We would much appreciate it. Email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And then uh, in the mailbag, going back to uh, the show with Mikhail Kiryazanos, Dino writes real quickly, Yausa Mikhail, I guess that's Greek for something. Uh, quite an enjoyable conversation with my patrioti and some very interesting insight regarding pipe making and pipe smoking in Greece. I've met and talked with him each time he has come to our Chicago show and admired his beautifully grained and designed pipes. I really enjoyed the gate tune. Thanks, Bon Voyage Dino. Dino, you're welcome. Yeah, and, uh, and again, just a great guy. So uh, glad, glad you enjoyed that. And then uh, last week, International Pipe Smoking Day edition with Jeremy Reeves. Casey Ghost writes, it is amazing how much the tobacco out of C&D has improved since Jeremy became head blender. Kudos to him. I hope everyone does something for IPSD. Seems like pipe smokers just take it for granted. (laughs) I think it's interesting taking a holiday for granted that really just kind of started up a few years ago. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I hope you all did something special or you know something of uh, something out in the public's eye would have been nice. Um, I personally was on the island of Grenada for International Pipe Smoking Day and was smoking on the beach, so I did it internationally. Uh, and then Ira, the writing Rav, says a great show. Jeremy Reeves was both entertaining and informative. I must say he doesn't sound anything like his picture. I always enjoy hearing the pipe smoker song. As for the rant rave, I'm conflicted. I find made-up retail holidays like Valentine's Day, Halloween, Mother's Day, and Father's Day a little off-putting. My inbox has been flooded with ads for pipe and tobacco sales for a week in anticipation of IPSD. Maybe pipe smokers take it for granted because pipe smokers don't really need a special day. Only retailers do. I get enough commercial bombardment from the general retail world. Why drag pipe smoking into it? Just a thought. Yeah, and uh, you know what? Every day that I get to smoke my pipe is a special day, but I will I will say that, uh, you know, it, it's not really International Pipe Smoking Day in my mind really isn't for us pipe smokers. It's really for the non uh, for the non-pipe smokers to be aware that there are pipe smokers. So Anyway, comments or questions, post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page right there on PipesMagazine.com or email me, tweet me, you know, post them on Facebook, whatever. If you've sent me a comment in the past couple of weeks and I haven't responded to you, well, please send it again. It's been a little uh, little hectic around here and I may have forgotten it. All right, in just a moment, rant time. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. 
Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Tonight's rant is about personal choice, personal preference, personal options, whatever you want to call it, however the hell you want to say it, but here it is. It's a reminder again to not be an elitist snob, and as I mentioned in the uh, in the discussion with Dan, if you, you know, if you only like aged Virginians, that's fine, but don't talk down about the people that don't. If you're a cigarette smoker and you don't and you don't like the smell of a cigar, well, you know what? Too bad. It's a cigar smoker's option to smoke it. If the cigar smoker chooses to smoke a nasty, stinky cigar that doesn't appeal to you, well, that's his personal preference. Just like your personal choice is to smoke a cigarette, especially amongst all of us smokers. There shouldn't be any complaining about whether you smoke a pipe, smoke a cigarette, smoke a cigar, whatever, however you smoke. Don't bitch about it. It's all personal choice. And if you start bitching about it, then they're going to start taking personal choices away. I saw a couple of situations on the cruise on the cruise this past week where, you know, somebody might be drinking Bud Light and someone else is drinking a uh, is drinking a fine red wine. Yeah, that's fine. It's all personal choices. I did happen to witness once where somebody with, where a cigarette smoker was not happy about the cigar smoke coming towards them, and the bartender suggested that maybe they move to the other side of the of the wind from the cigar smoker. So, stop all your bitching. It's all about personal choices and personal preferences. And if you don't like it, try to get away from it. If a lady's wearing too much perfume for me because I'm sensitive to that kind of stuff. I just get away from it. I don't go and talk to her about it and complain to her about it. Well, that's, you know, it's her personal choice. She wants to bathe herself and smell like that. Fine. Personal choices, personal preferences. Just go out there and enjoy them and don't let anybody try to take any more of ours away. All right. Hope you enjoyed this week's show. Remember, new shows come out every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. That's Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern time comments or questions email me uh want to find out more about my cruise or talk to me about cruising reach out to me you know how to do it i would like to thank dan spaniola for joining me thank you all for tuning in and until next time Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to you. Do you use your tongue prettier than a twenty dollar whore?